The Right Ricky Sanchez podcast is brought to you by Cornblow and Cornblow, the official law firm of the process, and Big Barker Therapeutic Dog Beds. Get yours right now at bigbarker.com slash Ricky. On the show today, big rumor came out tonight that Leon Rose is interested in Elton Brand to be general manager of the Knicks. We will talk about that. Uh, we will wrap up the first ever Rights to Ricky Sanchez Zoomathon, five hours on the internet. Um, hopefully, we finally get to maybe at least the Elite Eight of the Jigsaw Field of 64 and a 50% basketball mailbag that includes the questions, is Philadelphia actually the best city in the country? Who would you replace Elton Brand with? Will the Sixers ever have their own arena? Who would you amnesty? And is mead actually vegan? We know it's gluten-free, but is it vegan? Without any further ado, Amos and the Chef. Welcome to the Rice Ricky Sanchez podcast. I'm Spike Eskin, along with a guy who's still at home. That is Mike Levin. That's right. Mike. You can find me here. Catch me on my couch or where I'm if, sitting right now on, my, on the desk in my bedroom. If, uh, if we count the Zoomathon as a pod, is this the sixth pod since you've been locked at home? I, I think. Speaking legally, I don't think we can count the Zoomathon as anything less than eight podcasts in one. <laughs> it was so long. A rotating battle royale of guests. Yeah. A couple people who I can't imagine actually listen to us, but some saying some pretty awful things in the comments. One guy who uh, broke well, in. Uh, yeah. And that, uh, the voice. That's, like that's happening to everybody, apparently. Yeah, it's happening to everybody. So... And luckily, most of the people weren't in the chat. But, um, but I, I would say, by and large, everyone that participated was, I'm not going to let the racist chat people ruin, <laughs> ruin the time. Of, uh, Mike, we raised... Here, here's the amazing part. So thank you to everybody. Thank you uh, if you donated, if you bought stuff, to our sponsors, the charities who participated, to the other guests who came on. Um, it was a, a lot of fun. Yeah. It was, uh, it was ridiculous. It was a lot of fun. But here's the amazing thing, I think. So we raised $19,500 overall, which is well past our goal and right in line with every lottery party, uh, more than uh, two of the lottery parties and less than one. So right in line That's with how cool. much we raised. Yeah. And it only took uh, uh, a few bigots 
to hop in and make it happen. I, I believe that they donated a lot themselves. Why are so you focusing on them? <laughs> it's, 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 so, it's so, I mean, like, the comments are so polite and nice, and, uh, you know, people were being very thoughtful and stuff, and then, and then just, like, horrible, horrible shit. So it's, it's, it wasn't like it was like, all right, things were sort of questionable in the comments, and then somebody took it further away. It was like, wow, LL looks great, <laughs> and then just, like, horrible, horrible stuff. But How do you even make a swastika on a keyboard? I don't I even know how to do it. Couldn't even find one, but uh, yeah. yeah, it was a lot. Yeah, I, but the, good the job, only, everybody else. <laughs> the the only amusing thing about that was seeing your. This is the that's the first time I've ever we, we've never done like live video on the internet, so I got to see your face as it happened, and I didn't have to watch the chat. All I had to do was watch your face and <laughs> just sort of be like frumpy frown, be like no, this isn't right. <laughs> And then when the, when the voice broke in, looking at Adam Kasabi's face was... <laughs> uh, all in good fun, kind of. Yeah. So but here's what's amazing. So we raised $19,500, which is awesome for Providence Animal Center, for uh, Coded by Kids, and for Phil Abundance. But oh, I think about 11000 of it was just donations. So it wasn't the merch, it wasn't the auction items, like 11,000 of it was just people saying, yes, I will donate. Wow. Like, and they're, like anywhere from $5 donations, which are awesome to, we had one $500 donation in there. And um, I, it's amazing. I, you know, I'm, I'm really just, uh, I'm touched that everybody, you know, and there's a lot of charity stuff going on right now, you know, which I think is is great, but it's like a sort of a crowded time for that. But for um, for the people that are part of this to step up, I thought was awesome. I love it. Yeah. It was really cool. Uh, it was fun to see everybody. Sorry, there's a police commotion outside of my uh, building. Apparently, somebody stole a car. What a fun time yeah. to do that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And uh, but it was cool. So a lot of people. We got some educational stuff. I think we learned some things, uh, and we tried to bring a little bit of basketball talk in there. Um, it was good. It was great. It was. I really appreciate everybody who who watched and who came on and and helped us out. And nineteen thousand five hundred dollars is nothing to sneeze at. So I feel I feel uh, very happy to be a part of it. And uh, a tremendous amount of affection to our guests and charities and sponsors and everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, and we didn't have to be guilted into it or anything. You know, we didn't we didn't say initially, hey, we're going to take money from charity and uh, and our sponsors. <laughs> and then we had to be guilted into doing this. It was sort of like the other way around. So uh, do you think the Colangelo's would object to that? <laughs> well, well, I'm sure I'll have to send them the receipts when we make the donations. <laughs> the, the this. Uh, and I want to say a special thanks to. Um, Yaakov Belfer, who is from Australia, and uh, bid $2,100 for the TTP ring and paid immediately. So, yeah, and saved uh, our, Rich our from Underground Arts <laughs> having to make an actual bid for it. Wait, how many times did I say, Rich, you don't have to do this? Are you kidding? <laughs> and he just kept confirming uh, that he was going to do it. Dude, he told me afterwards that... He was what he was reasoning in his head was that if he did actually have to buy it, he would show it to his wife and say it was an anniversary present. <laughs> That's great. 
I think that would that would work out really nicely for him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So thanks to everyone. It was great to have the the sponsors on too. Uh, I will say, LL's wall of rights Ricky Sanchez T-shirts. Very impressive. Fucking impressive. Yeah. Yeah, and he had some outfit really? changes the whole time. It was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, um, I also will say that we, you know, there's a lot of podcasts out there that are, you know, used to f- recording in the same room and having like a a good rapport just you know with seeing each other and everything and and are now struggling to adjust to this new world where you have to do everything remotely and I'd like to say we've been ready for this for a long time yeah Uh, it was actually sort of disconcerting seeing each other's faces Uh, not for us yeah no 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 we we prefer that we prefer the uh, thousand not just in different rooms but thousands of miles away yeah couldn't be further yeah, almost as far as away as you can be in the continental United States. That's right, baby. So, so thanks again. It was uh, it was a uh, it was a great experience, and um, if if we can uh, do it again at some point, we will, and we will have somebody else moderate the chat rather than me. It was a lot of jobs, and I was fucking destroyed by the, <laughs> after the fourth meet. I was so hot, and it was is high alcohol content and all the sugar and it was just it was a little much for me when so. when when it gets a little too refreshing yeah 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 uh so i just as a as a hop off point before we get to the elton brand thing uh, you asked chris ryan i think it was chris ryan you asked if if it took either shake milton or matisse thibel to get off of the al horford deal this off season mm-hmm. who would he pick and I don't remember your answer. Could you? I, I wanted to rehash that because I thought it was a good question. What was your your answer on that? I don't think I gave one. I, I was. It's. I obviously love both guys. Um, I think Matisse got drafted on the higher end of of his spectrum of where the where where he was projected to go, and Shake got drafted on the well on the lower end. I think there's a world where both of them went early second round um, in different drafts, obviously. Um, but I think you know my, the argument for Shake, and I don't know if this is the right one, but the argument for Shake is that um, his offense, or sorry, his defense is significantly better than Shake's than Matisse's offense right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the argument the other way around is is Matisse has the elite skill and defense, and Shake doesn't really have an elite version of a skill. I think the I believe in the in the three-point shot. I think he's he shot over 40% at 3 years to SMU and we saw how hot he got um, the last few weeks of the season. Um, so I believe in it. I think he's excellent. I think he's a really nice secondary ball handler and I and I he, if there's ever a season again, I would like him to be inserted into the starting lineup. But I think there's something to be said about just like game-changing defense. So, I don't know. I think the I think he, play contracts into it shakes on a cheaper four-year deal um but i guess it's not that much of a difference i i i the if you believe in zaire as a as a it's not the same thing as as matisse but growing into a a a ball hawk on defense and just a hound and and just similar like catch and shoot threes and uh put back dunks and all that stuff then then maybe you say shake is the more necessary skill set but i don't know i think it's a really interesting question so you, you don't even have an answer? I don't think I do. I don't want to trade either. I really would rather not yeah. do it uh, either well, yeah, way. Obviously. Yeah, um, for sure. But um, 
But yeah, I, th- I think it's, I would need no more information. If you believe in Zaire making the jump, if the Sixers are like, yeah, the G League stuff was real, we've seen him in practice, we see him like developing and getting, getting there. Um, speaking of which, by the way, like another <laughs> lost bunch of months for Zaire's <laughs> career. Yep. Guy just can't, career can't catch a yeah. break. Um, but if you do believe in that, then there's, there's an argument to me that he has a, a, a more natural looking shot than Matisse does at this point. I don't know if that's fully true, and I think there's going to be a lot of noise in both directions. Um, Matisse, I think, is a smarter offensive player right now, um, and certainly the better defensive player right now. But um, if you do, if you really believe in Zaire, which remains to be seen, then I could, I, I could lean Shake. But if without that knowledge, I'd probably still lean holding on to Matisse. Um, I don't know who I would pick. It really is, it, it seems insane to say that to seriously consider Shake Milton after really only having a good two weeks, like a, you know, a, uh, a Jeremy Lin light-esque <laughs> couple of weeks. You know, but, but like, you know, hot shooting can make everything else seem a lot better. Of course. And that's, that's something that happened. Like, I always liked Jeremy Lin. I thought he was better than he got credit for but really what happened in that time is he got he got really hot and was playing for a coach that that highlighted what he was doing mm-hmm. I um but I I guess on on one hand you're overplaying the you know how much how long shake actually looked good but I think that comes into play a little bit too with Thibel who really for more for more of the season was not great than he was great i i, I think is fair to say um i i think i would probably and given the construction of this team and how hard it's going to be to like acquire other players and and how much they need the what the skill set that milton actually has is I think I'd probably keep Shake Milton over Thibel at this point. I think it's a consideration. I yeah. I I will I usually no look, the our experience with the Sixers has not has not taught us this lesson, but I would usually say Matisse has the more specific and unique skill set. And you go with the guy with the elite NBA skill. And if Shake's yeah. shot leaves him or he um, can't get comfortable in a secondary ball handler capacity, um, and he just never puts on weight, and um, he's not a, a vertical. I think he was finishing excellent around the rim and using his length. He's got a seven-foot wingspan, so does Matisse. Um, but Shake, obviously, a better ball handler and, and sort of has a nice change of pace to him and finishing around the rim really nicely. Um, but he's not an above-the-rim type player. So if, if, if those things start to catch up with him as teams you know, focus on him more and, and know more of him as a as a veteran, I think that could go away. Matisse's defense is always going to be something. Um, he's always going to—you put him in there, and he's going to have—there's going to be action. He's going to get his hands in there and, and anticipate stuff and, and generate some easy buckets just from that. Um, but, yeah, I think I, I'm— I'm excited about that it's a conversation, and I'd rather, honestly, rather trade neither of those guys because they're under team control for three more years for very, very cheap. Uh, all right. So a, a, let, me, let me get the actual source of this rumor. Brand, 
I forgot. It was. I know it was the New York Daily News. I just want to get the the writer. Wait, can I ask you one more thing? Name. Yeah. Considering the contracts, uh-huh. if you could attach, if you could attach Josh Richardson to Horford, and basically get you know a slop of expiring contracts instead of and, and hold on to Shake and Matisse. Would you oh do yes, that? I would. Only because there's no way they're going to be able to pay Josh Richardson. Mm-hmm. Just, they can't. Their, their tax bill will be... Like, the only way they could pay Richardson would be to get rid of Horford or Harris. Yeah. That's the, the rub there. So, so then that opens up I, the books a little bit more if you can find, if, say they're non-guaranteed or whatever. Um, yeah. Then you can go to free agency with money owed to Embiid, Tobias, and Simmons, and then everybody else is on essentially a, a rookie-type deal. Well, if, if and we'll get into this in the mailbag, but if the I don't think they're going to do a thing where they knock fifteen million dollars off the cap because of you know they they learned their lesson the other way mm-hmm. when they didn't do the smoothing. But um, if they do, they could be at the cap with those three guys. <laughs> <laughs> they, I mean, they're, they're not far below it anyway. I know um, it's very bizarre. It's know? always it's always I've always found it weird. I'm not like obviously like a, a humongous cap guy. I think it's just I just trust the people that that find it interesting, mm-hmm. and I'll just you know know what I have to know. Um, but I've always found it really odd that like the cap is tied to like you know league revenue and like sort of you know combined with what you know what the Lakers make or the Knicks make or whatever and like what you know. Charlotte makes and those kinds of things and it's all like kind of wrapped in there and it's just kind of set at this like middle ground point it seems like I prefer it to baseball when teams can just kind of do whatever the fuck and or pay nothing um, for their players but uh, I've always found it a little bit odd that it can just oh the economy did bad so the cap goes down that feels like well but it, it, that helps I mean it's the part of this CBA. Yeah, I mean, no, I just think it's I just money. think it's odd. Yeah. I don't think it's wrong or anything. I just think it's it's it, it always surprises me that I, I guess I think of sports or the or the NBA or at least like the 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 action within sports as sort of separate from the you know yearly ups and downs of whatever stock bullshit. Um, but it, it's all it's all tied together. As you know, I'm a big finance well, guy, so here we are. Yeah, well, I mean, especially in this world when they're literally not even playing games. Yeah, I mean that's that's a um, the Rice to Ricky Sanchez podcast is brought to you, as you know, by Cornblow and Cornblow, the official law firm of the process. Now, Mike, normally Cornblow just sits around waiting for people to get hurt, you know, uh, <laughs> whether it is uh, uh, medical malpractice, which seems like a, just an awful way of getting hurt, um, or hit by a drunk driver, or slip and fall. But right now, Cornblow knows that there's a lot of weird shit going on in the world and he is a friend to all of our listeners and he um he can be there for you um in in one of the ways that you might need him for now first of all if you have a a problem or a question about filing for unemployment which obviously a lot of people are you can reach out to cornblow if you are having if you own a small small business and this is just the most fucking ridiculous thing I've ever heard but if you own a small business and you have business interruption insurance and they don't want to pay you um, literally because the entire world shut down and nobody's allowed to go to businesses which just seems like 
like the act of God that is always in insurance mm-hmm. that is supposed to, right? You know, no, what I mean? different like God. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> tough shit. <laughs> so if you're having trouble getting your insurance company to pay business interruption insurance, or if you're a small business and you have a question about the uh, coronavirus aid, like the the Federal Relief Act, and how you can get the forgivable loans, and how you can, uh, if you keep your employees, if if you're eligible, all that stuff. Cornblow is uh, is there to help you because he is there um, for our people, right? Like if if you have a, a problem and you need a lawyer, Cornblow is there. Now, Cornblow and Cornblow, they fucking they kick ass in. Um, in uh, personal injury uh, lawsuits. There's just the, the best one, in my opinion, in, uh, in the Delaware Valley. So if you need Cornblow for personal injury or if you need him for anything law-related, he's your guy. Um, him and his mom and all the other Cornblows at Cornblow and Cornblow. If you, if you need his help, 215-576-7200, ask for Adam. Now, where would that phone number go to? Oh, you're right. Didn't you? Didn't he happen to say during the Zoomathon that his office number goes right to his cell directly, now? directly to his cell? So if you call two one five five seven six seventy two hundred, it'll go right to Cornblow's cell. Don't have to ask for Adam. No, nope, because it it can only be Adam or his wife or his child. You know, um, or someone wow, who stole the wrong. phone. But if right? they steal his phone, then they're legally obligated to. Provide quality legal assistance <laughs> legal, for you. Legal help. 215-576-7200 is, is Adam's cell right now. And at least for the next month, you would think. Uh, or you can email him, cornblau at cornblau and cornblau.com. Uh, cornblau is spelled K-O-R-N-B-L-A-U. Cornblau and Cornblau, the official law firm of the process. Uh, back to the Ricky. They would be, I think, I, I don't have it in front of me, but probably like between 95 and 98 million and I, with those three guys. And I think, and actually when you put in everybody else, they're probably at the cap actually. Mm-hmm. Um, even if everybody else is just at minimum because Zaire, I think, is making four or five million dollars. Um, so uh, then Matisse would probably be making three or four. So yeah, they'd, they'd be at the cap anyway, even if, um, even if they dumped him, which is bananas. They would, they would just be under the tax. So... Um, and I think I think in the NBA, the, it you know it's sort of tricky. I, that's obviously the way to fix it is to have. I, I think probably to have actually a, a hard cap, but then no individual, no limits on player salaries. Yeah. So to you know what I mean, like so I agree a, with that. A, so a, a small market team could decide to pay seventy million dollars a year for a superstar just to be relevant um, mm-hmm. to see to see how that would happen. Next season, um, Zaire's making 3.2 and Matisse is 2.7. Rookie scale. Yep. Yep. Um, so, uh, so it was, oh man, I had it and then I lost it again. Stefan, hold on, Elton Brand Knicks. Bondi? Which is hilarious. Uh, Stefan Bondi, yes. Um, Le- the headline is Leon Rose um, eyes, or no, uh, Elton Brand a candidate for Knicks GM source. Um, Leon Rose might look to Philadelphia for his new right-hand man. According to a league source, Elton Brand has been targeted by Rose as a candidate for Knicks GM. Brand, 41, is currently the Sixers GM and under contract next season, complementing any designs of bringing him to New York. The source said Rose wanted to see if Brand was dismissed after the playoffs. Um, uh, 
so a lot of people are dismissing this as nonsense. I don't think it's nonsense. I've always sort of gotten the feeling that um, that the CAA folks were were positive on Elton, if not positive on the rest of the front office. Um, I don't think this is crazy, uh, and I. I, I really you don't think this is crazy in the sense of like what the Knicks are deciding or crazy that it could happen? Thinking. Yeah, I, actually a little of both, I think. Um, but I, I don't think it's crazy at all. Like, I think it's a legit, I, I would believe this report. I don't think it's nonsense. Um, and I think it's also possible that Elton Brand isn't the general manager next year. And I think he, he could be. I also, and I've said this a million times, not that I would have hired Elton Brand to be general manager of the Sixers when they hired him. I would not have. He had no experience whatsoever. But even that said, I've said a million times, I don't put what happened here specifically on him because I, I think there are a lot of cooks in this kitchen, and I think there was a lot of pressure from ownership to do a certain thing. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really hard to figure out. I think Elton Brand's a super smart guy, and you know, if he didn't take this Sixers job, he told us at the live Ricky, he, he would have been assistant GM with the Hawks. Like people thought he had potential, mm-hmm. um, and I also think that the general manager to a president of basketball operations who was already an agent is like a different job. It's not sort of like this is a different job. Maybe he would be okay with that. I don't know. I. Uh, it's an interesting thing, and I don't think it's impossible that it would happen. I don't really know what to think because I don't think Elton really has a place here um, if they make a change or unless he was willing to take less than a GM job for, for a new president of basketball ops. I don't know. It's, I just thought it was interesting. What do you think? I think it's – let's talk about the Knicks part of this first because, mm-hmm. you know, they've been so dumb for so long and – the sort of quintessential example along with, I guess, Sacramento, that it really starts with ownership. Um, And they've made so many bad personnel decisions from front office to uh, the roster. And in in so many directions, right? It's not just the, like, you know, they tried it all as far as the headline move goes, right? Okay, Knicks hire uh, Retread who had been, you know, Available. Okay, they tried that. That didn't work. Okay, the Knicks hire someone away from a team that already, you know, tries to go get Masai Ujiri. Okay, they're not. That's not happening. And they, they've tried, you know, they try to like try to go young and they pick the wrong guys, and they try to go old and veterany and they pick the wrong guys. It's just like they continually pick, no matter which, which like line of thinking they they go with, it's always the wrong one because they're uh, just empowering the wrong people and always being way less uh, patient and thorough than they should be as far as back as, you know, Phil Jackson and before that. Um, there, so this is just, it's just so f- funny to see, like, the Knicks just constantly trying new ways to be like, is this the – can we make one right decision? And even, like – you know, they picked Mitchell Robinson, which turned out to be an excellent pick, where they got him. I think it was a second-round pick, I'm pretty sure. And he's very good, and they still, like, are pl- like bringing him off the bench and playing other guys more minutes than him. It's like, even when they have the guy that they should have, it's it's constantly wrong. Um, on the Elton side of the... It's weird. Yeah. It, it's so much different than, like, what's wrong with ownership here in that the one thing that you could give Dolan is when he hires somebody to run the 
basketball operations. He just lets them do it. Like, do you think you so? Hear, yeah, I, I do. And but the problem is, is he just hires the wrong people or at the wrong time. Like the Phil Jackson thing, I, I don't know if it was met with like jeers and and boos when it happened. A little. But then when you he's found never, out he's he never been in a front office, you know. Time. Right. Yeah. Well, neither has Elton. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, not. I mean, the only front office he had been in was the the blue coats. But at, at the very least, look, I'm not. The Elton hiring yeah. was always weird. But at the very least, yeah. he <laughs> ownership had a had a relationship with the guy. Yes. In yes, like yes, he was absolutely. here, and they saw him, and you know, you assume that they they saw him doing positive things that they were like, this guy is the future in this thing. Let's make that future now and keep the system yeah. around him intact. Whatever. Phil Jackson was just retired, hanging out, a former coach, and they're like, hey, be the GM. And he's like, well, I don't really know what this job is. Um, and didn't, doesn't <laughs> Do I have to come to New York for yeah, this? Yeah, for real. Um, I don't know. I mean, Elton, it's hard, and, and maybe this is by design, and by design of, like, all these, you know, bullshit businesses that, you know, are, there's, no, there's not one person in charge. It's like, that's just like, Faceless collaborative hive mind that you can't really blame any one person in particular. It's kind of just everyone, um, and maybe that's intentional because uh, you know maybe Josh Harris wishes that was the case with him because then he would his name wouldn't have been tre- uh, trending on Twitter for being a uh, cheap piece of shit. Um, it's hard to know what Elton, what was Elton, what wasn't Elton. You know, it's certainly an odd situation and that he stepped into with, you know, not his staff around him. Um, but you, what you have to give him credit for, you know, being willing to take risks and take swings. Um, and I don't know how effective all of them have been in totality. The Sixers never really got these Sixers never got a chance to to show what what, uh, they were capable of. Last year's Sixers were one bounce away and had four different lineups and all that stuff with the the Markel thing that he he walked into. Um, Just so much weirdness that we've already gone over in this podcast time and time again. But um, I don't know. If you think think Elton is the guy to be relationship guy and, like, you know, creative thinking big picture stuff and, and... the kind of person you need to to get talent to New York. I, I I see how you can look at him in Philly and say like he got he acquired Jimmy Butler, he acquired Tobias Harris, he maxed out Tobias Harris, he traded Jimmy Butler for value in in, in Josh Richardson when he could have walked for nothing. Um, he went up and got a, a a rookie in the in the twenties that is clearly contributing at a high level. Um, he got same with. Was Shamit a? Why am I remembering? Shamit's an Elton pick. No, Shamit was was no Shamit was Shadow. Uh, that was Shadow G- GM. It that's was right. Brown era. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, but if 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 we don't know, then surely the Knicks don't know either. <laughs> so so um, yeah. all of those all of those things, you're like, he's done some good things, and it's it's a Simmons and Embiid thing, and he's trying to make it work, and all that stuff. Um, I can see why why you'd say like we're the Knicks. He's uh, a, a smart thinker and a, and, a, and a known personality that the players seem to like. Why wouldn't he be able to like bring the Knicks back to the promised land? Um, so I get it. Uh, I, I, I have no idea how feasible it is and how much the Sixers would be willing to let him go. What I don't want to happen is for him to go and the Sixers just kind of like keep everything else as is. 
No, nah, well, they they really like how the front office works together. <laughs> and the other thing, obviously, to keep an eye on is that, you know, Leon Rose, like, you know, was basically Joel Embiid's agent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so, you know, not he Joel Embiid can't go anywhere, but. Um, you know, it, I, don't, I don't know that it's the greatest thing in the world that his former agent is now the president of basketball operations at another team and Embiid is, like, publicly embarrassing uh, current team ownership. Uh, <laughs> Which is know, not Embiid's uh, fault. They deserve to be embarrassed. No, 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 no. Not blaming Embiid e- even a little bit for that. So, Do you think, because, uh, like, I, you know, I have an agent and manager and whatever, and I'm you know, I've been somewhat close to them, but if they left to go somewhere else, like, and I was a big star and won, I don't know, the the metaphor dies here, but I wouldn't necessarily be like, oh, my, I'm closer to my agent than I am to, you know, my teammates or my coaches or the city that I feel like I've grown up in or anything. Yeah, I, I agree with you, but I don't think Joel Embiid is particularly close to any of these teammates or any of these coaches. I think it's, I think the... What what the the thing that I will always remember about Embiid is I think the thing that he is closest to is just the the idea of the fans like mm-hmm. the hive of the fans and I think that is the the thing that he enjoys the most mm-hmm. and that he feels closest to and I would say that like um, you know I I think that that is what he would miss the most uh, ironically is it, it's so crazy is that out of all of those things that you named I think it is actually the fans that he would he would miss the most wouldn't you say so. the same about you know prime Iverson yeah probably mm-hmm yeah um but uh, and and it you know it's interesting that there are there are some similarities there like Embiid's problems are not are not identical to Iverson's but they do both have the you know when they're out there try real hard but don't re- don't try real hard when they're not out there sort of thing mm-hmm. um, and th- I think there are some similarities there yeah for sure I think it, I think you, you know and and what is kind of happened toward the end of this whatever the season was with the sort of polarizing way that people thought about Embiid after everybody loved him is what ended up happening with Iverson. People don't always remember that at the end of the Iverson era in Philadelphia, like half the city was not in on Iverson anymore. Yeah, people were ready to move on, for sure. Yeah. It's how I, in retrospect, the, I, I look back at those Iverson years and think that they just like met like he was such an inefficient player and I blame him in some in some sense of that but he was also so excellent and the, and the coaches he had to deal with were so fucking like boring and shitty uh, Dietrich was making this point on Twitter today and I just wish we got to, you know they kept trying to like find that second that second person to go with Iverson and it was like so much failure of just like guys past their prime or guys that could only do one thing or just like weren't and just you know the 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 parade of people that used to be good. I mean, we've seen this with every Philadelphia team. <laughs> the, hey, they were good when we saw them in the past, and then they got here, and then they started sucking. Um, there's just so many of those. Um, but I do wish we got to see Iverson with a coach that sort of in- innovated a little bit more um, instead of just had, you know, even having, like, shooters around him. <laughs> like, he just had nothing. 
And the I, fact I that think, they got to the, you, that finals but, is insane. But part of that, part of that was Iverson. Of course, Paul. part of it for sure. Yeah, yeah. He, he he was hard to play with. He he is a guy who. I, if he had taken better care of himself and was able to extend his prime as he got older. Now, it took Iverson maybe, you know, Iverson still to this day um, seems like a, you know, a, a genuinely caring guy, but still has still fights his his demons to this to this day. But you wonder if he could have extended his prime a little bit and maybe um, like maybe realized he needed help in a certain way not not just people to rebound for him and to you know get out of the way on offense but but like you know if he realized that he needed another score you know if he could play with another score in a really positive way it would have been would have been cool if he was able to do that yeah for sure to, to put a bow on the the Elton thing like the things on the horizon for me I'm trying to it's always you know you, you try to think of what the future holds for the Sixers and you try to guess like what you try to. I, I try to do this all the time. Like, what the, what do we think like the next six months are going to look like for the world or whatever? And if you asked us that six months ago, we would not have said the entire country is going to be shut down uh, because of a virus that's killing thousands and thousands of people. Um, so we're going to be wrong. Uh, but I thinking about like what are the big storylines going forward with the Sixers over the next five years or whatever? It's the owner selling the team. Uh, whether or not they do. Uh, the Embiid Simmons relationship, obviously, Tobias fitting into that third star, but like mainly will Embiid will they will Embiid and Simmons work to work enough and will they have success enough to where both guys decide like want to stay here for yeah, a majority of their careers. And so the the Jimmy Butler uh, push and pull tease in Miami we saw that with Embiid this year and might continue. And uh, if, if Elton goes to New York with Leon Rose, then it would be him being pulled another way. And I think, you know, there's going to be talk of Simmons getting pulled to L.A. once LeBron keeps aging um, and being the you know, heir apparent there. I'm sure that's going to become a storyline. So the, there's try, I'm trying to think, like, what it's going to become. What is, what is I guess... Would you rather? Would you rather the owners sell the team, and, and and the new owners come in and keep everything intact, or these owners? Elton goes to New York, and these owners clean house. I would just rather they sell the team. Like I got, I got to be honest with you, man. Like I, I have a real. My my uncle talked me into keeping our season tickets. I didn't want to do it. Like, I have a real hard time wanting to say I'm a fan of the team. Like, I've, it, it's a real, like, it's gotten to a point where I'm so disgusted with what they've done over the last 10 years that, like, what are we, what are we even supporting or cheering for? And, and at this point, you know, we've talked about it before. It's really, like, a couple of players at this point. Mm-hmm. I hope I like the other ones. Name a couple um, of the things that, that specifically that you're... That make you disgusted? Well, they, 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 from the moment they got here, they have done a awful, um, horrifying job of running a basketball team, which is the first thing. Um, there is a one year and a half stretch in which they let Sam Hinkie do it, and then 
that was absolutely it. Um, I think the fact that they, that the way they have exploited fans since they got good is, is really sort of disgusting. They charge people to be on a waiting list for season tickets um, because they say they're sold out when they are not sold out, when they're selling tickets on secondary markets um, or selling gr groups of tickets to ticket resellers. Um, the fact that they were like sort of like lying in wait to make the city um, pay for another um, arena for them because they wanted one. And like me and every person who works in Philadelphia would have had to pay for that arena for them. Um, and then like even like this, <laughs> Like, it's really hilarious that the, the cut and pay thing it was not surprising to any of us, right? Like, um, I just don't think they're in this for the reasons that owners need to be invested in this for. Like, this has to be something that you are proud of and care about. It cannot just be another business that you own. Um, and that's the way they treat it. And I think it's, it's and, and honestly, the fact that ticket prices, that season ticket prices for me and most people in the last two years have doubled, like they've doubled. They, they cost twice as much as they did two years ago. They have not gotten past the second round. They haven't gotten past the second round, and ticket prices have doubled. Um, they, they, they've done a lot of things that I think have garnered um, uh, reasons for you not to want to support them. So What is, aside from the basketball operations side of things, of, mm -hmm. of giving short, too short of leash and collaborative GM and just keeping Colangelo's team intact, uh, front office team intact. What are some like more like for the city PRs, you know, communications, ticket season ticket holders, what are all those what are the things you a good owner that you think would do a better job of? I'm sorry, I, I don't uh, I don't totally get the question. Like Like you were what? you like charging people for a wait list. Which is obviously bullshit. Yeah. You say you'd rather them not do that. But like, what are some yes. pr positive things you'd be like? Oh, we have a good owner of the, of this team. They're doing X, Y, and Z, and that is we're like happy with them. Hmm. I don't know. I think I could say I know it when I see it. You know, mm -hmm. like I I think um, we've had a lot of different versions of like uh, of owners in Philadelphia like you could look at the and and the Phillies owners until John Middleton really were a collective like they were a group of people and you could say in a lot of ways that the way they managed the actual baseball team failed in a lot of ways but they also did care about their fans a lot and they also did do a lot of community stuff and they also did care about their employees in a very real way um so it, it made you sometimes like not be as mad at them for their failures on the field um i i think there are like all sorts of different ways that you can um that you can look at it but i think one of the most important ways is embedding yourself here and i know that sounds like a very philadelphia thing to say but it i'm does. not saying it in, in a philadelphia way i don't think that you can understand how people feel or how things are going to go over if you do not live here i just don't think it's possible i don't think you can live in new york and um and you know helicopter in here 40 times a year to watch games 
and really have a feel for what is important or how you should be treating people. And I, I think that's with any business because ultimately they are the president of the team. Like they run the team. That's who runs the team, them. And they're never there. Like what would you think of a boss if you never saw that boss? The boss was never in the office. Never, like it just, it doesn't really make any sense. And I think like the biggest problem is that they are not, they did not know what they were getting into. They bought, and they said it when they bought the team, they bought a distressed asset. That's mm-hmm. what they did. They bought a team that uh, the owner just didn't want anymore at a cheap price. And they saw what was happening with the market. And they were right. And they were right. Um, but they, they have not been interested in doing the right thing for most of this, this time. So, and I'm not even like, I'm not saying they have to like donate to fill abundance every year or like that. That's, I'm not looking for them to be charitable. I'm just looking for them to be a part of what's going on here. Um, so they can make better decisions. And that even goes to like just basketball operation stuff. Like for them to be so separated from this that they allow Scott O'Neill to tell them what's going on. Right. Like another guy who should not be running things here. Like that's basically who they rely on. They rely on Scott O'Neill to tell them what's going on. And he has allowed all of these things to happen. And he is, um, you know, greenlit everything they've done to rip people off. It's, it's awful. Do you consider uh, Jeffrey Lurie a good owner? Uh, I do. You know, like, I, I, I think he went through a time, I, a lot of it is defined by who you hire and what you do, and I think that you have gotten a very different answer during the Banner years. Um, not because Banner wasn't good at running a team, he was, but because he was not really good at uh, being the face of the organization and being the, the guy who talked. That's not what he should, be, should have been doing. Um, but I get the sense that Jeffrey Lurie is a part of Philadelphia. Like, he does live here. He does, you know, the, the autism charity thing that he's decided to do over the last few years. You know, Phil, the, 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 um, the Eagles have always, whether it was, now it's the Eagles Autism Foundation or whatever, but when it was the Eagles Youth Partnership, when they would find a school playground every year to rebuild and make look better and have the team there doing it and the coaches there doing it, or, you know, drive the, the fucking iMobile around to give uh, kids glasses who didn't have glasses. I always felt like they were embedded here. And when you look at the success of the organization, it really, even though they didn't win a Super Bowl until just now, I mean, the Andy Reid era was pretty fucking successful, mm-hmm. you know? Most of the time that he's owned the team, the team has been competitive. Even if they haven't been Super Bowl challengers, they've been competitive. So I think he's a good owner. Do you? I think so. I mean, you have a better sense of... I'm just like... I just focus on the personnel stuff all the time. And I even... You know, even when when the local and national media was criticizing Hinky for not being the face and not talking to the press and stuff, I just never gave a shit about that stuff. Um, so I see the value in it and I see why, you know, Hinky got pushed out because of it and the, the narrative took form of itself. Do you think that... Um, Jeffrey Lurie could buy the Sixers? <laughs> um, well, that's a lot of money, you know. And I, I, don't, I don't know that he would have to raise it. There's no way he just has $2 billion sitting around mm-hmm. to buy the Sixers. Um, can you own? I guess you can. Paul Allen owns two teams in one Yeah, the, city, right? the Saints owners do. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh, yeah, yeah, the yeah. Nuggets owners too. 
I don't know if he would. I, it would be good if he did, I think. He would be a... And, and by the way, here's the, the other thing that I, I think you can actually credit Jeff Lurie with, is when, when they pivoted away from the, um, the Joe Banner era, like when they rebuilt that organization, when they hired Don Smolensky and they, you know, who's the president of the team and like the way that they interact with people now and fans and the media is like way different than then. And he recognized that there was something wrong. And even when Chip Kelly was there, like the pivot that they've done after Chip Kelly, I think was, um, was pretty notable too. He's, um, he's certainly been able to recognize when something is wrong and change it too. So you know, I don't know. And I, I'm pretty sure it was his call to go trade up for a quarterback, too, which I think is meddling probably, but, but I think probably ended up being the right call, too. So, yeah, I think he is a good owner. Yeah. And I think Ed, I think Ed Snyder was a, a good Flyers owner. He yeah. was a fucking terrible Sixers Yeah, never owner, gave a shit about the Sixers. Uh, yeah, he's a good Flyers owner. And the Rice Ricky Sanchez podcast is brought to you by Big Barker Therapeutic Dog Beds. Now that you're home all day, you can see just how much your dog sleeps. And it is a fuck ton. It it's is a lot. a lot of sleep. Yeah. There's some lazy motherfucking dogs out there. They really do. You know, they have those, those cameras where you can watch your dog all day or whatever. And you know what you find out? Your dog doesn't do shit. Not much. <laughs> Nothing at all. So if your dog is sleeping all day, it is important that your dog's joints are supported by a proper mattress. The only real dog bed on the market. The only dog bed engineered by experts to support your dog's joints. The only dog bed endorsed by the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast. Uh, go to bigbarker.com slash Ricky, bigbarker.com slash Ricky. And uh, my friend Alex just got a brand new dog from the, uh, from the Brandywine SPCA, Shadow is her name. And uh, he ordered a Big Barker, came the next day. Didn't order like rush shipping or anything, came the next day. Wow. Um, go to bigbarker.com slash Ricky and you can get your dog to be a process pup, meaning you get the process pup patch to put on the uh, put on the bed, and you get your dog's picture up in the on the website on rightstrickysanchez.com slash process pup. Um, but to order the bed, you go to bigbarker.com slash Ricky. Dogs are animals which have joints, and their joints get old and creaky, just like ours do. So that's why the support, not just when they're old, but when they're young, so when they get old, you know, they're, they're in better shape. I'm telling you, uh, Rebel loves it. Every dog I've ever seen loves the Big Barker. If your dog doesn't love it, that's fine. There's a one-year at-home trial. They will give you your money back. They'll even pay for the shipping. It's got a 10-year warranty. So when you look at that price tag, you're like, is it worth it? Yeah, it's fucking worth it. It's going to last you 10 years. The foam doesn't flatten, or they will replace it for free. Handmade not just in the United States, but right here uh, in the Delaware Valley. Big Barker dog beds. woo <laughs> Back to the Ricky. It'd be interesting to see. I mean, I just don't know. I don't have a, a Rolodex of billionaires that I, that I can start to yeah. think, consider who would buy the Sixers and who in Philadelphia would give a shit enough. Do you know? Do you know anybody? Do you have like uh, any no. names that we'd be like? Well, this guy may no. be this person. No, it would. It would be interesting. All that. I mean, all we would. All that would need to happen was. You know, and this this whole thing probably delays it a year. But all that would need to happen is, you know, that they put the word out that that it's for sale, and the names would start popping yeah. up. 
Um, I have no idea. It would probably be groups of people. Two billion dollars is a fucking lot of money. Yeah. Like that's a that's not just rich people money. That's you know, rich person that's part of a larger thing. Um, money. Sure. There's very few people that are like Steve Ballmer who can just say yes. I have two billion dollars. Right. You know. The um, you made the point that the Eagles during the Andy Reid era were were very successful, but didn't win a championship. I think the Sixers owners would probably say, well. After the process, so are we. This would probably be their third straight 50-win season, and with 50, with more 50-win seasons on the horizon. I, I know that they've made mistakes, and there's, there's there, you could do a lot, a lot of really dumb things and still have Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid and win a good chunk of games. Um, but just to make the argument right. that they would, they would say that as well. I, I would imagine. I think, the, though, that you could point to NBA teams that came a lot closer to what the Eagles did. Like, the Eagles were in five NFC Championship games. Four. Um, four, and, right, four NFC Championship games and a Super Bowl. Um, but, yeah, the, the Cardinals one was the fourth, right? Mm-hmm. Or the Cardinals one, yeah. Because they lost three in a row and then, and then won the fourth and then lost to New England. Right, but then they they got back in against the uh, against the they were in the NFC Championship game against the Cardinals when they were nine and seven. The year that they made the playoffs on the final day, they were in the NFC Championship game again. Mm. I don't even think about it. Is that Michael Vick? No, no. Uh, that was still McNabb. That's still Donovan. I don't even think about yeah. that at all. I only think about yeah, the four in a row. I only think about the- St. Louis, uh, Tampa Bay, Carolina, and then losing New England in the Super Bowl. The uh, do you remember uh, the forty-one to six um, Cowboys uh, Night game? Eagles Cowboys game. Yeah, that that was on the last day of the, on the last day of the season. That or forty-four to six. Forty-four. Yeah. That was the that was when they they were nine and seven. They got in the playoffs on the last day and they lost to Kurt Warner and the Cardinals in the NFC Championship. Mm. So, so and then that was the uh, that was Cardinals Steelers Super Bowl. Yes. Yes. So Rams NFC Championship game. Yeah. Bob's oh wait, NFC you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Uh, Panther. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's get through to the. What should we get through to? The. Let's get through this round of Jake Sauce. Okay. We so are, are we in the Sweet Sixteen? I don't know. It's hard to see. I think so. No, I think we're in the elite. Yeah, we're in the Sweet Sixteen. Wait, yes, yes. This is to find to final up the Sweet 16. Or no, wait, hold on. How many do we have? It's hard. It's a really big spreadsheet. So hold the on. The NCAA is slacking. One, two, three, four, five. Yeah, we are finalizing the Sweet 16 right now. Um, all right. As in for who's going to be guy. in the Sweet 16? Or, correct. Okay. Correct. Okay, okay. Uh, this is for the rest of your life. You're the smelly guy, or your first child is identical to Doug Collins. Oof. Mm, identical in what way? Visually? Visually. Um, he's not a bad looking... By the time he, he, he really looks like Doug Collins, you're going to be... The Doug Collins we know, you'll be fucking... Yeah, I'll be dead, and that yeah. means he'll be 6'6", six, six, yeah. which mm-hmm. would be nice. Uh, I'll pick that. I will have Doug Collins as a kid. Okay. And if I can so you're the make his life miserable. Advances. Um, and this is the final one until we have the Sweet 16. Um, 
Every movie you see casts Jaleel Okafor in the leading role. <laughs> He's about as good an actor as you would expect. Sure. With the second one, you have a giant dick where your asshole is and a tiny asshole where your dick was. <laughs> oh, man. That's a good one. Um, I, would, I would choose Jaleel and I'd watch a lot of TV. Okay. So you're going to have a giant dick on your butt. That, that advances. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's get through a, a bracket here, and then we'll get some mailbag questions. Or a, a quarter. Yeah. Um, you have to fully clean. Oh, wait. Is this, is this to go to the Elite Eight? Is that what you're saying? Yes. Okay. Correct. Here we are. Sweet 16. Second weekend. Yeah. I'm so sad you that it's not real. I'm so sad that it's not happening. <laughs> Do you know how I just so I watched yeah. the Illinois-UNC game from 05 today during lunch i'm 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 really in a bad place i like yeah i recorded a video of Alyssa maybe three weeks ago a couple like a week or so before everything shut before the nba shut down to get like of of her like asking her like what she's excited about for march madness and we always like like you know going to a bar bloody mary's you know four games on at once all that stuff and she played it the other day and i just like just like fell to the ground and was like holding my head it's it really is it feels like being stabbed in the chest it's my favorite thing I don't even I'm sorry yeah it's sad yeah if it happened any other time of year I'd be like I think I'd be fine but the fact that it happened just before the tournament and we need another full year before we get back to the tournament it's really upsetting Sorry to hear, man. I, I obviously don't care at all about that, but I, I care that you care. Thanks, man. Means a lot. Um, first option. You have to fully clean Doug Collins' undercarriage with your tongue after one hour on an exercise Great, program. and this is a nice or, palate cleanser from the thing I just said. <laughs> yep. Or you have to name your kid after my dad. <laughs> We're finally here. Um, I would... Could okay. Could I name? Can I name the kid Howard? Give him a a fun nickname and call him by the nickname. No, I think his name's got to be Howard Eskin. No. Then yes. It has to be full. It has to be the last name too. Yeah, as the middle name. That's crazy. Yeah. All right. What was the first one again? You have to fully clean Doug Collins's undercarriage with your tongue after one hour on an exercise bike. And that's once. Yeah. All right, I'll do that. Oh. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not having a Howard Eskin Levin child. It's not going to happen, okay. Spike. Give me, bring me um, Doug Collins' asshole. Well, it's, it makes sense that we would go to this then. The next round, turns out I'm your dad. Great. Fantastic. Or you shit yourself on TV in your first late night interview. When you realize what has happened, you jump up to run off stage and you slip in the mud of it. <laughs> you fall ass first and it splats <laughs> out, of, out, of, out of your pants. Um, that sounds fun. I'll pick that. You, you being my dad advances. <laughs> it's going to be like an all-esque uh, all final, final four. Might. Uh, um, all right. You, sm- you smell what it's like to smell John Goodman's taint at the end of the day. Okay. You smell it all day, every day for a year. Uh, this was from the first ever Jigsaw. 
Um, or your other option, you only get one wipe per poop. I'll take I'll take one wipe per poop. Wow. And that's for a year. I only get one wipe per poop, right? Yeah. 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 For sure. Um, wait, It'd be a good a wipe. I really make it count. Hold on. I gotta see what what bracket that's in. Once in your life. Yeah, that's for one year. Okay. Um. You have nightmares every night and believe they're real for the first thirty minutes after you wake up every morning. Okay. Or you, you fully clog the toilet every time you go. <laughs> I'll go with the nightmares. <laughs> wow, are you sure? Yeah. That sounds terrible. 30 minutes? 30 minutes Clogging the toilet every time. single time? At work, everywhere. Oh, sorry, it's clogged. <laughs> Mike, did <it> again. <laughs> every time. <laughs> I would sounds develop like a complex a, uh, about it. Sounds like a, a sitcom. Like you just you shrug and it, it ends. Yeah, there was a. Um, did you ever see the Seth Rogen, uh, James Franco movie? This is the end. Which one was that? It was the apocalypse one. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yes, 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 yes. So it, that was a weird movie. So it starts yeah. out at this big party that James Franco is throwing, and, yeah. and Jason Segel is there. Um, and I was still on How I Met. I'm pretty sure I was still on How I Met Your Mother when that movie came out. And in the movie, Jason Siegel says, he's clearly talking about Mother without naming it. I think he's talking to Aziz, and he says, like, yeah, so, like, it's a multicam, so, like, there's a, like, there's a big cake in the fridge, and somebody turns around, and it's like, who ate the cake? And it's like, I ate the cake. And it's like, it, was so, it was so, like, reductive of, of the show <laughs> we were on uh, that, yeah. it, you know, some people got a little bit mad. <laughs> Uh, well, that's what those shows were. That's why people like them. Um, all right. First one. Every joke you hear is genuinely the funniest thing oh, God. you've ever heard. I think this is, gonna, this, is the, this is the favorite to win the whole thing. Or you spend two hours a day locked in a room with my father <laughs> arguing about <laughs> Sam Hankey. Well, the good thing is I'll never laugh when I'm in the room with your dad, at least. Uh, I, would pick, I would pick your dad. I'd pick your dad. Really? Two hours a day okay. arguing with your dad. That's not dissimilar to what living with Sharp was like. <laughs> yeah, I guess, except that it's my dad. Yeah. Like Sharp, yeah. Um, I guess not to be mean or threatening, but your dad will eventually die. So, so Yes, yeah. So, so yeah. that'll... that'll I mean, you st- I, he's he's still not even seventy. I mean, you, you I have some years. could have twenty more years. Yeah, yeah. but he'd get to, you know he he'd start to lose lose some energy at least as he gets there in the decades. Um, you have really really chapped lips, or you hear the thoughts of every loved one. I'll go, I'll go with the chapped lips. Yeah, I figured yeah. So. Um, all right, you hear the thoughts of a loved one, and we have two. These more aren't getting easier. In fact, the opposite, because I keep. Yep. The ones I don't want to do keep advancing. I guess that's the whole that's concept. The point. You lose 10 inches off your height, mm. or you're the smelly guy. <laughs> Wait, is this the Elite Eight? Yeah. Uh, no, no, no. We're not there yet. We're determining. We have two more until we're in the Elite Okay. Eight. Okay. I lose 10 inches off my height, or I'm the smelly guy. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I'll... I'll be the smelly guy. Wow, you really don't want to be sure. I like, I, 
bas- playing basketball is one of my truest joys, and I'm not Earl Boykins. I couldn't be as successful if I wasn't the t- have, having the 10 inches I do. I can't be, f- I can't be well, five one playing be basketball. I can't do it. Taken right out of context. <laughs> um, all right. For the final spot in the Elite wow. Eight, you have to wear the same pair of underwear every day. You cannot wash it or remove it. Um, and that's for the rest of your life. Oof. Or you have a giant, you have a giant dick where your asshole is <laughs> and, a t- and a tiny asshole where your dick was. I, I, will, I will happily pick giant dick where my asshole is. Over the underwear? Yeah. Oh. So underwear advances. Underwear is All tough. Right. One pair of underwear never washed forever. Yep. That's beyond being the smelly guy. That's, you know. All right. So we'll, do, we'll finish it off. We'll do the Elite Eight uh, this weekend. We should do a few mailbag questions because we have good ones. Um, this one comes from... This weekend, by the way, which was, should be... If we do the Elite Eight and the Final Four, this weekend would be the Final Four. So... Oh, so it makes sense. Timing it out nicely for me to be. Should devastated. we do the final four Monday night? <laughs> Awful. Live? No. <laughs> Live on Zoom. No, I can't do that. Um, all right. Hey, Spike and Mike. Uh, one basketball, one non-basketball. Let's say the NBA salary cap does end up by dropping by twenty-five million for next season, which is what I've generally seen the cap people saying on Twitter. Um, and there's no smoothing put in place. The NBA instates a one-time amnesty provision for the off-season to help teams cope with the drop. Who would you rather amnesty between Horford or Tobias? I think it's pretty obvious. It's got. I mean, it's got to be Al. Can I tell you why? Can I just make an argument to the other? I, st- I still think Horford is more tradable than Tobias is. Hmm. I just don't think anybody's... I, I could see a team talking themselves into Horford being, like, the thing that they need. I, I cannot see anybody talking themselves into that with Tobias. I, I just think... Even though he's a good player. I don't necessarily agree with that. I hear the thought... Pro- I don't think... I don't think people are not not because I think people are going to look at Tobias and think like yes, but I just don't think that Horford at this stage of his career, as as he continues to deteriorate and decline, is going to be worth anything to anybody. I think if he was on a one-year deal, sure you could go get him and be and and hope he's your like you know Tyson Chandler when Tyson Chandler was still relevant. Um, but I don't I don't think people are looking at, at Horford for as many more years as he has here and thinking like yeah we'll we'll give up actual value for that. I'd rather, and, and I think Tobias, like, he's still capable of improving. I think he has each each year of his career different stuff. I think he'll get more comfortable playing with Ben and Joel, and if there's more shooters and ball handlers around there, he can still exploit a mismatch. I think I'm still encouraged by his improvement on the defensive end. Um, I think he's a leader and, like, well-liked for the most part here, I, I think. Um so yeah, I will. I'll go. I think it's. I think it's pretty clearly, pretty clearly Horford. And the non-basketball question, mainly for Spike, do you consider mead vegan since it's made from honey? Um, I, I I don't know. I, I'm not going to answer what is or isn't vegan, but what I would say is that I do not have a problem with honey, though I know a lot of vegan people do. Fuck bees. Bees make honey. Yeah, fuck bees. That's what they do. They just they make honey. That's that they like making honey. It's what they do. But also fuck them. Um, 
Really? I'm anti-bug across the board. Um, I can see that. Bugs are not the same as animals to me. So I, I respect anyone who isn't into honey, but I don't have a problem with honey. Um, this comes from Declan. D E. I've never heard. I've never seen that name. Declan. D E C L. Declan. I've never seen that. It's Irish. Um, just wondering what your thoughts would be on the team potentially hiring Mike D'Antoni if they made the seemingly unavoidable decision of letting Brett go. Um, what do you, you mean, think? Brett's former assistant, Mike D'Antoni? Yes. His protege? From the Brett Brown coaching That's team. That's right. Um, I'd be interested in it. I'd be interested in seeing what, because, you know, Houston is obviously so, so different from what the Sixers are. And I'd be interested in seeing what a D'Antoni offense would look like. I'd be interested in seeing if D'Antoni can get Ben to shoot threes as much as he would probably want to. Um, I don't think D'Antoni, like, I think with GMs, people look at Hinky and being like, he's going to do the process anywhere he goes. I think with coaches, it's a little, there, there's yes. some agreement to say, some argument to say like, well, he just, you know, you deal with the roster you have and you try to build out the best system for that roster. I think you can look at Brett's, Brett's systems over the last however many years and see them change. Um, going from like passes king to in the playoffs, like playing more pick and roll isolation type stuff. Um, I don't think that this lineup is a, a this roster is a roster for Mike D'Antoni. Uh, I would agree. Yeah, I would and, like to see it, but I don't not, think he would choose it. It's not like we've, um, yeah, it's not like we've seen Mike D'Antoni, D'Antoni do anything do anything else. Like he's always done. Well, I guess this is different than what he's done before. I mean, this is not seven seconds or less. This is not running up mm-hmm. and down the field. It's, this is all isolation. For sure. So it's developed, it and it's all about spacing, I think, is, is the biggest thing to D'Antoni's, the one, I would say, constant to his career is, like, spacing. And an and Embiid-Simmons pairing is never going to have, like, the most optimal spacing ever. But maybe he's he's be excited for the challenge. I I would like to see it. I'd like to see what he what he would do with it. I wouldn't hate it. No, it, would, it wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't hate it at all. Um, it feels it feels weird that Houston likes. is on such like a ticking time bomb. And I think yes. I, if, I think everyone just assumes like okay, D'Antoni's gone. Maybe Daryl's gone. And I wonder if that's just they have a shithead owner. Um, but it seems like well, you just made a big trade this offseason. It it's worked for a lot of the season. Not all of it. I would like to see what it looked at looked like in the playoffs, and how they would move forward with that. But I wonder if they're just if the owner is just doing you know cost saving bullshit. Um, this comes from Legs. He starts with hello as he always does with a period at the end of it. <laughs> uh, one, do you think the Sixers will eventually have their own arena? I do not. Not not anytime soon. I thought that was going to happen, but I don't think that's going to happen anymore. Um, I think as soon as the Flyers put all that money into the Wells Fargo Center um, and they pretty much took away the Sixers' uh, excuse for needing a new building, and I just don't think it'll happen. Um, And uh, two, you don't, you usually, you don't have a thought on that, right? No, you lead with that. Yeah. Yeah. And then two, what is the most overrated food? Hmm. Mike, you have a thought? I'm not. I'm rarely excellent with these kind of takes, unless I think of them like in the moment when I'm seeing it. Um, I'm trying to think of a food that everybody talks about being really good. Like everybody talks about bacon all the time. Sure. 
Mm-hmm. Um, what else? People talk about. I I would say like like cake specifically icing. Mm-hmm. I'm out on that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to think about this, legs. I'm gonna have to think about it. Because, you know, people talk about brunch all the time. Brunch is awesome. Love a brunch. it's not a kind of food. Sure. Yeah. Brunch is a lifestyle. Let me brunch as a lifestyle is yeah. overrated. But brunch as a meal is underrated, I would say. We'll come back to that, Legs. Uh, two more. From David, would you endorse bringing back Dario uh, as a backup four for next year if it means using full exception money? I don't think Dario could be a backup four. Um... Essentially, Dario instead of... You mean you don't think he'd back up four because why? He wouldn't take that role? No, I'd... Oh, back up four. I don't know why I was thinking five. Yes, I would have no problem with Dario as a backup four. Essentially saying Dario as a Mike Scott replacement with yes. a little bit more He's ball handling ability Scott. and decision-making skills. But probably maybe... They're about the same defensively, honestly. Uh, sure, yeah. And non-basketball. I'd rather use it. I'd rather use it on something else. But I also have see a lot of benefit in bringing our boy back. Uh, who can currently run a mile faster on a track, Spike or Mike? I don't know. Uh, you fast? I hurt my back the other day. I'm not running. Well, I can run. My fastest 5K time is like seven minutes and 15 seconds a mile. That's pretty fast. Um, yeah, I, I could probably do a mile if I pushed it in seven-ish minutes. I don't think I could go any faster than that. I used to be able to run, like when I was like 10 years ago or 12 years ago, I could run like just over, I could run like a 620 mile, but I can't do that anymore. So Yeah, that's the um, fastest I've ever ran. I, I always run with Alyssa, and so we just were more like keeping a leisurely pace. Um, I only one time tried to like run the fastest by myself that I could do, um, and I think it was something in like the six six twenty six thirty range. And so if I trained for it, I think I could probably beat that. Um, but I generally get bored running long distances. So I mean, obviously a mile is not that long, but it's not my specialty. I'm I'd say I'm faster in in short, quicker bursts. And finally, this comes from South Philly Lou. Uh, hi, Spike and Mike. Thanks for the pod. It's an oasis in really hard time right now. Um, my basketball question, which former Sixer would you prefer as the backup five on the current team? Uh, Okafer, Rashawn, or Nerlens? I was always a Rashawn man myself. What do you say? Uh, I love Rashawn. I, I love how much, how much Rashawn got better and, and carved out a role in Sacramento. I, I wish he didn't get hurt. Um, Rashawn... Legs did also trade me Rashawn earlier this season, and then he got hurt for an extended period of time. I think Rashawn might have been in the original Steph Curry trade. I'm, I'm not sure. Maybe John Isaac. I don't remember. Um, I love Rashawn. I I will say I think as far as what this team does, I think having having Nerlens who can switch out onto everybody. I think Rashawn got better as a shot blocker, but Nerlens is excellent. Um, and so I would I would lean I would lean Nerlens for now, but. Maybe in a year, I think Rashawn could could pass him because of how efficient he is offensively. 
And his non-basketball question, did Mike come up with the lady driver bit on trial and error? I already respect Mike's comedic chops, but I hope he wrote that. It's such a hilarious part of the show. Stay at home, you dopes. I don't think that was me. Almost every time there's like long bits in a in a show it's like a hybrid of six or seven people in the writers room that like starts to pitch a version of it and then it gets tweaked and turned and everything so i claim every joke that anyone's ever liked on any show i've ever been on um but it is always even the ones that aren't it's like everybody has like a hand in everything Well, that's what we got. Um, we'll be back. This, uh, another podcast done. Another hour twenty or whatever with no basketball at all. So I will say I did read. I read. I read the part of Lady, Lady Driver on a bunch of uh, as the flag waving Lady Driver uh, warning person. It's not the, the flag 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 boy is the name of the character. I read that at a bunch of table reads. So that's a nice little inside, inside treat for everybody. <laughs> I. Speaking of reading, you, did you happen to read? I saw that Bodner wrote it. I didn't. Uh, Amos the Markel thing. Read it. Yeah. Did you read I it? It's tabbed, and I'm just. It just stares at me. I'll read it, but <laughs> it is going to make me upset. Um, we'll talk about it next okay. time. Uh, all right. Yeah, we'll talk about it this weekend. All right. Uh, be safe out there. Stay at home. Uh, are you down with TTP? Yeah. You know, like face. Say the name. Say the name.